Hello, Hope Church family. I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6 as we are going through the Sermon on the Mount, a part of a bigger study of the entire book of Matthew that we have entitled Your Kingdom Come. Um, and now in chapter 6 specifically, we've been talking a lot about spiritual disciplines. What are these spiritual disciplines? How are, what are these things that we put into our life to draw closer to God. Chapter 5 was the Beatitudes and uh, different parts. We are the, the salt and light and these different things that Jesus is in, instructing us to be and how we are partakers of God's very character. That's what blessed means. And now in chapter 6, he's showing us. Um, but really, these spiritual disciplines that we are given are really uh, almost an instruction manual for how we draw close to God, um, how we have his kingdom come and his will be done, uh, how we pursue his righteousness, how we hunger and thirst for his righteousness. And so um, when we look at chapter six, we should see these as instructions for daily living. That's what spiritual disciplines are. Um, disciplines are things that we will not naturally do, uh, but things that we actually have to work at and build into our lives so that we do them. Uh, unfortunately, oftentimes we can go to these instructions that Jesus has given as we would go to instructions from Ikea. In other words, they serve as a safety net for when things get bad. Uh, we, we view this time where we've talked about uh, prayer and fasting and not being like the hypocrites and praying for your kingdom come, your will be done, and praying for guidance and all of these areas that we've gone, and, and that's good for when things get bad. What Jesus is saying is, no, this is of the utmost importance. This is how you learn to rely on me is when you are doing these things regularly, when you are spending that alone time with me, when you are giving up something to be able to really focus that same amount of time uh, on that developing that relationship with me. Uh, and again, I don't believe that Jesus makes mistakes. I firmly believe that. And the Sermon on the Mount, just these chapters 5, 6, and 7, uh, are very, very involved. Uh, that Jesus, when he was teaching through the Sermon on the Mount, there is so much more depth to the entirety of it. And the order in which he goes, there is no mistakes in because as we go through this passage tonight, I want you to remember, Jesus knows our hearts and our minds. And it is not a mistake that he talks off by praying, fasting, and then we get to these, this passage, which oftentimes this passage is broken up into two different things, but they are very much related. So I hope you have your pen or a pencil or, or something with you to make note as we read through this. So uh, chapter six, starting in verse 19. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. 
Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Take that highlighter, take that pen, and circle that next word, the very first word of verse 25. Therefore, therefore, Jesus is now linking these two together, the remainder of chapter 6. And we're going to take a couple weeks to actually process through uh, and how these are linked together. So he talks about giving, and it is not by accident. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, circle that therefore again, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Again, whenever you see that word therefore, it is a link of thought, so make sure that you underline those. And like I said, it is no accident that Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he gives these instructions with some, with some reasoning, do this because of this, but after instructing about money, the language actually changes in that linked section to that of a lawyer in a court of law presenting an argument. Um, Jesus now comes in and he, like I said, he knows our hearts, he knows our minds. And so as we're going through this, and I'm picturing Jesus teaching the people on the side of this mountain, people that are his disciples who are following him, who have chosen to follow him, and he is instructing them, and he's saying, you know, blessed are the, the meek. And they're like, yeah, that's good. And he's, we are the salt and the light of the earth. Like, oh, that's so good. And blessed are the persecuted. And they're like, okay, let's not get too carried away there. And then he continues on through chapter five, and he's like, love your enemies. And they're like, okay, we can... We can try that. And then he says, you know, uh, you know, don't be a hypocrite. And they're like, no, hypocrites are bad. And he's like, uh, you know, and you got to spend time praying and here's how you pray. And they're like, oh, that's so good. And he's like, you know, and when you fast, don't do it to be seen by others. And they're like, of course. And he's like, and give money. And they're like, whoa, whoa, Jesus. And he senses that and he knows that. And he knows that all human beings ever since then will do the exact same thing. And so he immediately says, therefore, do not worry. And then there are this entire list that we'll get into and we'll break it down over the next couple of weeks. Um, But I want you to understand that Jesus is doing this very much on purpose. Uh, Jesus knows that that 
defense lawyer that lives in each one of us will pop up at this point. So I want to look, I have four points that I want to make uh, this evening as this is just our introduction into this part of the text. But the first thing, the first point, and if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, write this down. Point number one, we make investments based on our belief system. We make investments based on our belief system. Uh, read verses 19 through 21 with me again. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, this is where your heart will be also. I have several friends and a lot of my friends are big in investments. They invest in different things. Um, and the thing that they're investing in, they are hoping that there is a return. And they honestly believe that there will be a return on it. It's why they're investing in it. Uh, I've never said to anybody, hey, what are you investing in? And they're like, oh, I'm investing in cryptocurrency. And they're like, oh, wow, that, uh, is that a good investment? Like, no, it's going to be terrible. Like, it's a scam um, and it'll all fall apart. Or, uh, hey, like, I've noticed you have a lot of essential oils. Like, do you believe they work? And they're like, no, I just buy them all the time because I, I just love spending money on stuff I don't believe in. Um, no, what we spend money in, what we invest in is something that we believe that it will work. We believe that the end result will be greater than what we put into it. And so we invest in it, no matter what it is. And I know I'm going to get a bunch of texts from my crypto friends and my essential oil friends. I'm not saying anything about them. Just saying you believe what you invest in, you believe in. I've never met somebody, um, and, this, and the same is true with church. I've never met somebody who complains all the time about their church, but is also a very generous giver. They just don't correlate. They don't correspond. Uh, we give, we invest in what we truly believe in. And every dollar you spend in some way reflects something about your belief system. Every dollar. It's, it doesn't have to be these big investments, but... The food you buy, you believe that you need it or that it will be what you need to sustain life. Um, no matter what it is, you, you buy, uh, you know, 50 cent candy because you believe that that is what you need. Uh, you believe that that will make you happy, that that will satisfy a craving that you have. So every penny, every dollar that we spend is on something that we have a belief system in and we believe that whatever it is that we're doing. We, we pay our mortgage because we believe that that's how we live there. Uh, we pay our rent because we believe we have to live there. Uh, we believe in every dollar, every cent that we, that we invest in. Um, so I want you to understand it's very important to track your money. Uh, track your money because it's going to tell you about your belief system. Or as I say, track your money because everybody else is. <laughs> Amazon's tracking it. Google's tracking it. Uh, every, the banks are tracking it. The government's tracking it. Your money's being tracked whether you are or not. There are ways of finding out. Uh, I just actually learned about another app this morning somebody was telling me about. Um, but there's all sorts of ways to track your money. But tracking your money is going to tell you what you believe in. It's going to tell you uh, what your belief system is. Then he says, are you investing in things that are going to be destroyed by moths and vermin? And are you investing and putting your money in things that thieves are going to take? Now, at this point, most of the homes were built out of just clay or mud. 
So anybody with a pointed stick could dig through the walls of your house with ease and take whatever they wanted. Um, now, we have the same problem today. No matter what security systems are set up, um, there's ways of getting to your money. Um, if we think about what we've just seen uh, uh, recently is nobody really carries cash on them anymore. And so freezing accounts, uh, cutting off Visa and MasterCard, um, doing different things, it is actually one of the easiest ways to shut off somebody's funds if they want to. Uh, they, you can have denied access no matter how many billions of dollars you have, it can be shut off in an instant, literally the click of a button. And so when we think about what are we investing in, uh, things of earth will be destroyed. You can't take it with you. So think about it. Um, your money is not secure anywhere on earth. So we make investments based on our belief system. When he says that we store up treasures in heaven, do we believe Jesus when he says that? Where the moths and the vermin and the thieves do not exist, they will not be destroyed when we invest in God's kingdom. Do you believe that? Because we make investments based on our belief system. I just want to tie in also something that you see through the Bible, uh, and it's a whole message in and of itself, but uh, you give to what you are excited about. It's not just what you believe in, it's what you are excited about. Uh, we have people that are very generous uh, givers at, at Hope Church. But when we started doing the grocery giveaway, we had people saying, hey, I'm going to pay for the entire grocery giveaway. Whatever the cost is, I want to cover the cost of the whole thing. Why? They were excited about it. And when you go back in the Bible, one of my favorite stories um, is Moses, when they start to build the tabernacle. And the priests come to Moses and they're like, hey, Hey, Mo, I'm sure that's what they called him. Mo, we got to tell the people to stop giving. There's just too much stuff. And they were. People were so excited that a tabernacle was being built. They were bringing more stuff than the priests could possibly use. I would love to have Sarah Lernick come up and be like, Rob, our buckets are just overflowing with checks and money. Like, we just have too much. Can you tell the people to stop giving? Or like our company calls, hey, um, our servers are crashed because so many people are just trying to give. They're so excited about what God's doing that they crashed our servers trying to give money. You give what you're excited about. Oh, that's a side. That's a side thing about our belief system and what we give towards. Uh, the second thing we see, number two, um, healthy eyes focus on eternity. Healthy eyes focus on eternity. Read verses 22 and 23 with me. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. Reading through the Sermon on the Mount, at this point, I just never felt like that verse fit. It felt like Jesus was going to do a quick promo for an optometrist that was uh, funding the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, talking about getting your eyes checked. And it wasn't until you start to really take in the picture of the Bible, uh, the eye is used. Jesus uses the eye a lot in his teaching. And so when he says the eye is the lamp of the body, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. He's talking about how we take what we take in. Uh, how we see things is telling of our heart. The way that we have, a, what we view and how we view it is telling of where our 
heart is. And so if our eyes are healthy, our whole body will be full of light. If we're seeing things the way that God sees things, our body will reflect the light of God. But if our eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. We'll have a different viewpoint of the world. We'll have a different viewpoint of God's creation. We will not see things as God sees them, but we will see things in a selfish manner. When we see things the way God sees them, it is full of compassion. It is generous the way that uh, we see Jesus living out these characteristics on, here on earth where he gave up everything, and including his own life, to be generous and compassionate and loving and merciful and gracious for us. So when we see as Jesus sees uh, and we see, with a focus on eternal things, not on the earthly things, uh, it's saying we have healthy eyes. Our eyes have, have been um, adjusted to the righteousness of Christ and we see things uh, with an eternal view. Uh, when we are spending time alone with God, it is reflected in every avenue of life. Money and time are the most telling ways to see if we see the world as Jesus does. Remember, we've talked about it before. I think I've already mentioned it before, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How is your willingness? Do you live a life that is demonstrated and that you are willing that people don't come to know him? We've also spent a lot of time in Matthew chapter 9. We said Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion. How do we see the crowds? Do we see the crowds with compassion? Do we see them that their greatest need of, of all the other harassment, all the other oppression, all the other injustice, do we see the crowds as people who are in need of knowing God? So what do your spending habits communicate what is most important to you? Again, when our eyes are healthy, as we see the world, as Jesus sees it, we know that God is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance, and we view things with compassion, knowing that they need Jesus. So how do your spending habits communicate what is most important to you? Do your eyes see God's plan, or are they darkened by the world's desires? Number three, your money knows what you truly worship. Read verse 24 with me. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, that money, you can circle that because that is so much more than what we think of of just straight cash. It's how we earn money. It's our jobs. It's uh, what we spend our money on. Uh, when we jump into the next section, what do you see? Food, drink, clothes, uh, life. We see all these other avenues that are fighting for that attention. So it's maybe not just money, but it's how we live our lives. And money allows us to live the lives that we want to live. Or we strive to get more money so that we can live the life that we want to live. Whereas God is saying, hey, don't put your emphasis on money. I'll take care of you. Be responsible. Be hardworking, do all these other things we see uh, portrayed throughout Scripture, but also look at what you're investing in. Why? Because your money knows what you truly worship. If you don't know what you truly worship, like I said, track your money. You will find out very quickly what you truly worship. 
You cannot serve two masters. We love the one and we hate the other. If you think that you're doing okay pursuing both, you are wrong. <clears throat> this isn't a close 51-49% thing. It's zero or 100. You cannot split them. What do you truly worship? Again, your money knows what you truly worship. Um, I'll ask this question. What is your approach to generous giving versus self-spending? Uh, what is the difference for you? Again, uh, I've mentioned it a couple different times. Everyone else is tracking your money. Very easy to track your money. Uh, how quick are you to give to the church? How quick are you to give to the kingdom of God as opposed to how quick are you to spend on yourself? Tough question. Talk about it in your family and in your community groups. <laughs> Talk about it with your bank account. Again, your money's being tracked. It's very easy to do. Um, but you'll find out, unfortunately, what you truly worship. Number four, money talk induces anxiety. Um, and again, the text proves that Jesus knows this. The text proves, and I want to take some time kind of dissecting what Jesus is doing here. Uh, but Jesus knows this. He knows that we don't like to talk about money. Uh, there's uh, Larry... Uh, Ramsey. What's Ramsey? <laughs> Dave Ramsey says, <laughs> I'll get it. Dave Ramsey says there's two things people don't like to talk about, sex and money. It makes people uncomfortable, especially in church. So we're going to focus on, uh, on money, and I'll have Will sometime preach on the other. Just kidding. Money induces anxiety. We don't like to talk about it. It, it causes, like I said earlier, it causes that, that inner defense lawyer to pop up and start arguing, and Jesus knows this. And I love that as he's, and remember this is all, five, six, and seven is one message that Jesus probably preached repeatedly. Five, six, and seven was the original church planting manual that they used to, to live out, to help start these bodies of believers. And so when they came to this, they understood the importance of money towards the kingdom of God. They understood the importance of generous giving, that that is how uh, we demonstrate, and that is how we live to please God, but also when you talk about money. And remember, these are people who are poor and they are oppressed and they are harassed and they're uh, having to live underneath a government that was overtaxing them. I mean, and it was beyond what we as Americans, if you're an American, you cannot comprehend what they are living under. That's who Jesus is preaching. He's not talking to a, a businessman's conference in some nice resort. He's talking to shepherds. Uh, he's talking to people who didn't know. He's talking to fishermen. He's talking to the people that were the lowest parts of society, and he wants them and you and everybody in between, including the tax collectors and the wealthy. This is all a general human being approach that Jesus is taking, but he knows that every single one of them, no matter how much money they're worth, are going to have that inner defense lawyer pop up and say, whoa, 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 it can't possibly be talking about me. So when we look at verses 25 through 34, here's what I want you to do. And again, I ask you to get those pens and pencils and highlighters or whatever your form is. Um, circle the word therefore. There's two therefores. But there are also really eight different arguments. And by arguments, I mean go through and circle the question marks or circle the rhetorical questions that Jesus asks. Because when you see these rhetorical questions, he is, again, presenting this case. He wants you to really think about these things. And then after these eight uh, rhetorical questions, then he gives three 
repeated commands. I'll give you a hint. Do not worry. Three different times in the NIV that that is repeated. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. Why? When you start talking about money, I'm going to start worrying. When you start going through a budget, I'm going to start feeling anxious. Do not worry. And then he also uses four different comparisons or illustrations. So circle those or underline those. And he says, look at the birds of the field. Look at the grass and the flowers of the field. Look at Solomon. Um, look at the pagans is this final one. Who do you line up with more? So Jesus knows the hearts and thoughts of humans, and this illustrates it. He, I think through what it was like on that mountainside when Jesus says, and give to the treasure of heaven. And we're like, oh, he must mean Billy because Billy's got money. Uh, can't possibly be talking about me. I don't have much. And then he goes through, oh, by the way, think of the birds. And think of, and you're finding yourself arguing with him and he's beating you to the punch. And you haven't even had a conversation with him, but he knows your heart and he knows your mind and he knows that this is for you. But also we find comfort in this. We find comfort in that Jesus knows our hearts and our minds, that he knows the arguments that we are going to present to get out of doing this. Again, hey, I'll pray. I'll give you whatever. I'll do this. Don't talk about my money. Don't ask for my money. Jesus is saying, give to the kingdom of God. And then he, he closes. And I actually want to um, drop down to verse 33. And, and again, we're going to spend some time going through this, but I want to look at how he also concludes this. Verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We only are commanded to seek after two things, his kingdom and his righteousness. Going back to what we talked about this whole book of Matthew, your kingdom come. How does his kingdom come? Jesus brought the kingdom. Jesus represented the kingdom. He healed the diseases. He wiped away tears. He had compassion. He had grace and mercy, joy. He brought peace. How are we doing that in our communities? How are we representing that kingdom? Where do we put our emphasis in representing that kingdom. And when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, uh, going back to two weeks ago, what does that mean? It means when Jesus in heaven, when his will is done in heaven, he commands and the angels carry it out immediately. They carry it out with excellence. The angels carry it out with holiness and righteousness. So when we say your will be done on earth, we are saying, Lord, help me to obey you. Help me to obey these direct commands that you are giving. Help me to carry that out because that is how your kingdom is represented here on earth. If I am an ambassador, if I am a representative of your kingdom, it means I will give you my immediate and excellent obedience when I see a command that I am to follow. So number one, seek after his kingdom. Number two, seek after his righteousness. And again, going back to the beginning, how are we living out these spiritual disciplines? 
if we are hungering and thirsting, he said, blessed and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And his righteousness is repeated throughout the Sermon on the Mount, that this is what we seek after. And he's giving us this, chapter six is this guide. It is these instruction manual that instead of setting it aside, like we can often do and using it as a safety net when we're assembling that piece of furniture, no, we hold on to it and we cling to it. It is the most important thing in our lives. And unlike an Ikea instruction pamphlet, God has given us his spirit to guide us. He has given us the tools that we need. He has given us the, he has made you how he wants you. He has allowed you to experience what he wants you to experience so that you can be best used to be the you that he created you to be for his glory. All of your resources, everything that makes you you, God wants to use for his glory. So why does he talk about prayer before he talks about giving? Why does he talk about fasting before he talks about giving? Well, I ask you, how much time have you spent praying, God, what do you want me to give? What can I do? What resources, what abilities, what finances, what you name it, what can I give to be best used by you. I want to close with Romans 12, 1 and 2. This came into my mind. I actually wasn't planning on closing with it. But when it comes to what does it look like? What does giving towards the kingdom properly look like? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, there's that word again. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That word bodies is all-inclusive. That is everything that makes you you. Everything you have, everything you have access to, and everything you are, all of those should be offered as a sacrifice to God. See, oftentimes we ask ourselves the question, is everything taken care of? And then out of what's left, what do I give God? When in reality we should say, how much am I keeping? What is the percentage that I'm keeping? How much am I honestly willing to give up for his kingdom. It's usually the remnants. We usually filter it down to the remnants, when in reality we should start by praying, God, what do you want me to give? And how is this going to help me better rely on you as I seek after your kingdom and your righteousness? Lord, we thank you for your time and your word, Lord, as we are just diving in, as we are just seeing the beginning of what you have to teach us through your words and your book, through your spirit. Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us to not be anxious, that we wouldn't worry, but Lord, that we would approach with excitement, that we would be excited about how we can take part in being part of your kingdom. Lord, that we would truly be uh, humbled, knowing that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but because of your great mercy, we now can bring glory to you, that you will be glorified in all things. Lord, help us to seek after your kingdom and your righteousness in every aspect of our life. And I praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.